You're listening to episode 84 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today I have such a special guest joining us. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Lisa Carpenter is coming on the podcast today. And For anyone who has been following along for quite a while, I actually interviewed Lisa on my old podcast, Fit and Nourish Mind, on episode 25. Um, I'll make sure to link it up because I still have people reach out to me and tell me how amazing that was and how happy they are that they got introduced to Lisa through that episode. So I am over the moon to share her with you because I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit on the episode with her as well. That Lisa uh, was introduced to me by a mutual friend, um, probably about a year ago, and she always seems to pop up in my life at very pivotal moments, like extremely life-changing times in my life. And I've never even worked with her in, in a coaching capacity, and she still seems to have just this enormous gift of compassion and empathy and understanding that I I just value so much and she's an amazing woman and I am just absolutely so excited that we get to have her on today. She deserves a proper introduction so I'm going to go through her more official bio because you need to hear everything that there is to hear about her. So Lisa Carpenter is the secret weapon for driven ambitious achievers who want to live, lead, and perform at their highest level. She helps clients break free from being the last thing on their to-do list. I'm sure we can all relate to that and shift their their perspective so that they can feel more peace, ease, joy, and fulfillment. Her full frontal living message encourages her clients to slow down and pay attention to how they're feeling so that they can stop pushing their way through life, get present, and take control of their physical and emotional well-being. With nearly 20 years of coaching experience and an extensive background in nutrition and fitness, Lisa brings a unique combination of coaching to her clients and helps them reclaim a relationship with themselves where they become the number one priority. She's also the author of the best-selling Amazon book, Let's Eat, E-A-T, Break the Addictive Cycle of Dieting and Make Peace with Food and Your Body for Life, along with being the creator of multiple online programs. So as you can see, she's done a few things <laughs> and she has a huge, huge amount of knowledge and wisdom to share. And we get into a few different things in this episode. I, I normally with my guests, I uh, structure the interview beforehand a little bit more just so that I have kind of more specific topics laid out. With Lisa, I left it very open-ended because I'd interviewed her before and because I know that she and I can kind of go down any rabbit hole. So we we did go down a few rabbit holes and we get into the idea of self-care as being something that we embody rather than kind of a box to tick off, uh, what it means to be in a relationship with yourself, how she completely tore down her entire business and rebuilt it in the way that was right for her rather than listening to how everyone else felt that she should do it. Uh, one trick that Lisa uses to change her own thoughts when negative thought patterns start making an appearance. I really liked this one. I think you'll find it super helpful. And how we end up addicted to our own worries. That's a big one. Like when you wrap your head around that, sometimes we get addicted 
to feeling bad because it's, it's all we know and we just stay stuck there because it's comfortable. So we're going to really break into that as well. I'm super pumped about this one. I have already gone on longer than I usually do for introductions. So I'm going to get out of Lisa's way and let her introduce herself. I have the most amazing Lisa Carpenter here today. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> I am so happy to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. I don't know where we're going to go with this conversation, but that, like, in my opinion, those are the best podcast conversations. I absolutely agree. And, and I am going to make sure to link in the show notes because I had you on my previous podcast, Fit and Nourish Mind, and people still reach out to me saying how awesome your specific interview was. Um, and so I was so excited just to, to see your face and to connect with you for this one. And I also like virtually never allow guests to come on without having like uh, topics laid out and subtopics and all these things. But with you, I know that like the most magical things just fall out of your mouth. So <laughs> I know that this can be a great conversation. <laughs> It, it will be. I love the flow of conversations like that. And I think we're going to just dive into like business and self-care and all things that nobody talks about when it comes to entrepreneurship. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, tell us a little bit about you and, and what you do. So I call myself a master coach and an emotional resiliency expert. And I help high achieving women who are here to have a massive impact and, and create a lot of influence with the, with the people that are following them to really matter more in their own lives. So what I see with a lot of high achieving women, which is what I work with, is they put their physical and emotional well-being usually at the bottom of the barrel. So I help them step into taking better care of themselves, not by necessarily focusing on, you know, what they're eating. That can be a part of it, but it's really the, the thoughts and the beliefs that are driving their behaviors as to why they're always their last thing on their to-do list. That's awesome. And I, I can speak from experience how amazing you are at that. I, I've told this story before, but when there was a mutual friend, uh, Chloe, who introduced us and when you and I first got on a call, it was like a, over a year ago, I guess. And one conversation with you and I realized that I needed to quit my job. And, <laughs> and then I reached out to you afterwards. I'm like, well, Lisa, you were kind of like a game changer here a little bit. And you and I just had uh, another deep, amazing conversation before we jumped on. And I, I cannot sing your praises high enough. And you just have taught me a huge amount about um, letting go of perfectionism and all, all of the things that are associated with self-care and not feeding into your own bullshit. And mm -hmm. like, tell us, tell us a little bit more about that because I, I was saying to you again, before we jumped on that, when I think of, of letting go of perfectionism, I often think of you. That's how I almost associated in my head. <laughs> That's awesome. Because I used to be hugely a perfectionist and it was a, a complete blind spot for me. Um, you know, perfectionism ruled every aspect of my life. And it really started from a young age, you know, growing up, I didn't think I was very smart because I wasn't, you know, I didn't learn easily in school. So I thought, well, and this was totally subconscious, right? It's not like I was sitting there at 12 going, well, I think I'll just do this. Um, but if I couldn't be smart, I'd be pretty. 
right? So I started to use how I looked as a way to mask my insecurities. Again, completely on a subconscious level. So what perfectionism allowed me to do was block connection from myself and block connection from others. And then it spilled over into my work, right? Nothing I could do was good enough. I didn't work from a place of excellence. I worked from a place of perfectionism, which is pretty much, you know, you never get anything done if you're working from a place of perfectionism because it's never good enough, which fed my story. I'm not good enough. My work isn't good enough. I would obsess over fonts on a PDF that nobody's going to even know that I was obsessing about a font. Oh my gosh, uh, I've totally done that. Right? Like, <laughs> The graphics, the picture, like everything needed to be just so. And it really, it really put a chokehold on my business for a lot of years. I mean, it took me over a year to launch a course because, you know, everything had to be absolutely perfect for my membership platform, which no longer exists, right? The irony of it. <laughs> and even, even simple things, you know, like to this day, if I'm nervous about something, I'll catch myself like brushing my hair a gazillion times. Like, no, no, Lisa, you're just, you're just nervous. Like put the hairbrush down, step away from the mirror. You're fine. You look <laughs> fine. Go out and do your thing. So yeah, perfectionism is something that we all just need to be on the lookout for because if you're aiming for perfectionism, you're already failing. It oh. does, doesn't exist. Right. So one of my mentors says, you know, excellence is success. Perfectionism is failure. That is very, that, that, that's really resonating with me a lot. And I mean, it, this whole idea of, t tell me a little bit more about how self-care plays into this. And we've talked, I, I talk a lot about self-care on, on this podcast, but it has become a buzzword. And I know that you have some really strong ideas and, and opinions along this, and I would love to hear more about that and how that kind of ties in with letting go of perfectionism. Right. So you're right. Self-care has become a buzzword. And for us high achieving A-type personalities, we've just added more to our to-do list, right? Because self-care has now become something that we do, boxes that we tick. <clears throat> Excuse me. And self-care isn't something that we do. It's something that we embody. Self-care is about the relationship that we're having with ourselves. It's about how we think and feel about ourselves. It's not whether or not we go to the spa. It's not whether or not we get a pedicure. It's not whether or not we let ourselves sleep in. It's, it's literally, do I matter in my own life? Am I my number one priority? Am I caring for myself the same way that I care for the people that I love? Or am I constantly putting myself last? So that's why the term kind of annoys me because, you know, long before my burnout, I was taking care of myself. I went to the gym every day. I ate healthy. I was growing a business, like all these amazing things happening, but I still burnt myself out. I still ended up with adrenal fatigue because underneath all of the doing things around self-care, I had low self-worth. I had low self-esteem and it was showing up in things like perfectionism, control, approval seeking. And all of these type of behaviors, right? Overdoing, 
they leak your energy. They're exhausting. It's exhausting trying to be perfect. It's exhausting doing all the things. It's exhausting saying yes to everybody. It's exhausting trying to control everything and keep all the balls in the air. Um, you know, it's exhausting when you're constantly trying to have everybody like you and make sure everybody else is happy. And when we're completely leaking energy that way, of course we don't have anything left for ourselves. So self-care is more about looking at our behaviors, looking at the things that are creating unwellness in ourself. And it can be physical unwellness, it can be emotional unwellness, but looking at the deeper things that are disconnecting us from ourselves and the things that we don't want to be present to, right? Like my, like I said, my perfectionism masks my insecurities and my, my low self-esteem. That is so incredibly powerful. And I think that that's just so important to remember because there are way too many of us that are focusing on all of the external things and the, the external validation like money in the bank or somebody liking us or you know, getting into that, that perfect so-called relationship or whatever. And then we're forgetting about the relationship with ourselves. And right. when that starts to come last, everything else slowly starts apart. It so slowly starts to fall apart. It just seems to be a matter of time at that point. <laughs> right. And the, the truth is most of us, especially as women, we've been taught, put everybody else first, take care of everybody else. Like we are literally born with this need to nurture. And, you know, so many women become martyrs and it, it really is our responsibility to say, how can I have a better relationship with myself and then not feel guilty or make it wrong that we want to put ourselves first and that we want to care about ourselves. Because a lot of us have been told that we shouldn't put ourselves first. Well, and how do we, how do we go about starting with this? Because it, I feel like for some people it can seem a little bit too, and, and I've been there myself where it seems almost like too woo woo. Like I'm like, okay, I understand the concept, but how, how do I do more for my relationship with myself? Where, where do I even begin? Because, you know, at some point it can seem like this vast ocean and you're like, well, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I love that you asked this question because I literally just launched a podcast on my own podcast this week around the fact that people always ask me, yeah, but Lisa, how do you get from point A to point B? Because this is what happens with high achievers. We want to think our way through it. We want a step-by-step <laughs> -step plan. Like, can I have the boxes, please? And it literally is making the decision that I need to take better care of myself and picking one way that you can do that. It might be deciding that you're no longer going to be so hard on yourself. It can be as simple as when you walk by the mirror, not saying mean things about your body. It can be deciding that you're going to slow down and say no instead of saying yes, because you know you want to say no. Um, it can be simple little things like that, but you know, transformation, this, this journey back to ourselves just takes time. It's not something you do. It's who you need to become. So if you started dating somebody, you wouldn't ask them, can you give me your checklist of how I can get to know you? 
That's such right? a great example. <laughs> right? You, you wouldn't, can, I have, can I have your tear sheet, please, of your likes and your dislikes? You would start going out with them. You would ask questions. You would have conversations. You would spend time with them. You would be in a relationship with them. Are you slowing down enough in your life? Can you honestly say that you're making enough time for yourself to be in relationship with yourself? Like when was the last time you went out for dinner with yourself and just the, enjoyed your own company? Most high achievers don't because they can't stand to be with their own thoughts. Well, that says a lot about your relationship with you. So just giving yourself permission to slow down, giving yourself permission to have like 10 minutes of silence a day, curling up with a book, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's about setting the intention that you want to make you a priority, that you want to have a better relationship with yourself and putting aside the time to start allowing that to happen. I'm so happy that you brought up this example of, of like being in, being in a relationship with someone else and all of the things that we pour into that, like, you know, mm -hmm. date nights and getting to know someone and, and caring for them in, in really beautiful ways and, and all of these things. And then when it comes to ourselves, we're like, well, what? Like, why, why, would, I, why would I bother doing that? I think I, I don't even know many people that would probably ever even consider doing something like going to dinner by themselves. And right. that, even if you presented them with that option, it would be, well, no, I, I couldn't do that. Or that they would have to go with some sort of armor. Like they would have to take a book or they would have to take you know, their phone to like watch videos while they're eating dinner or something like that. They would have to almost like put their guard up still, even when they were trying to do something just for them. Right. Do you know what the key is to transformation? Tell me. Learn to love being uncomfortable. Mm, so good. It's so right? true. Like, <laughs> I didn't love going to therapy every week. I didn't love being raked over the coals by my peers, my groups. I didn't love having the hard conversations with my coaches and being called on my bullshit. I didn't love any of that. But I leaned into it because I knew the more I was willing to be uncomfortable, it meant that I was shedding the layers of myself. So going for dinner with yourself, if it makes you uncomfortable, great, do it guess what? You're not going to die and you're going to learn something about yourself. You're going to be able to actually hear the voices in your head. I personally love going out to eat by myself. One, there's no children. Two, <laughs> somebody takes care of me. Like they ask me what I want and I get to order what I want uh, and they serve me and then they clean up after me. I can sit there with a book or I just enjoy people watching. I don't have to talk to anybody. I think it's amazing. But I remember a time when it was like, why would I, what if, if I go for, what are people going to think if I'm sitting there by myself? I don't know what they're going to think, but I hope they're making up good stories now, right? <laughs> like, so now it's like that if more of us would let go of whether or not somebody else is judging us, because people are going to judge us. That's what humans do. We judge. But what matters more is if we're judging ourselves. That's what's toxic. Somebody else's judgment on you isn't going to be toxic. Chances are you're not even going to know about it. But the judgment you have over yourself, oh, I look like a loser sitting here by myself. Who would want to go for dinner by themselves? That's toxic. So lean into the discomfort. Get quiet. Allow yourself to actually hear the crap that you're telling yourself about yourself because that's how you're going to clear those stories. Well, and, and I have... I've 
two things with this. I'm going to circle back to the judgment thing because I, I want to, to talk more about that. But another question I have is when we're in relationships with ourselves, how can we, I'm sorry, with others, when we're in relationships with others, how can we sort of protect and insulate ourselves from completely losing whatever relationship we've built up on our own with ourselves to like maintain, does that make sense? I don't think I'm wording it very well, but right. how, how do we lose, how do we not lose that connection and how do we not um, give ourselves over completely to, you know, a romantic relationship in particular is, is often what comes up, but could be a friendship or something too, depending on, on what the situation is. So I think when you have a healthy relationship with yourself and you're making yourself a priority, you can't lose yourself. I think people who lose themselves in relationships, they haven't started out with a healthy relationship with themselves and they're looking for their partner to fulfill the needs that they're unable to fulfill for themselves because they haven't done that work yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're looking to be loved by somebody else or we're caretaking the other person, right? We're giving the other person all this love when in fact, what we really need to be doing is, is giving some of that back to ourselves. So if you're getting lost in your relationship, there's always time to step back and say, wait a minute here, I have to make time for me. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not some selfish person that doesn't take care of my family. I love my partner. I love my kids. There are non-negotiables in my life. I go to the gym in the morning. Um, I get out of bed at the same time. I go to bed at the same time. Those are pretty much like non-negotiables. Mom's not available after eight o'clock. Because I take care of the things that I need for me to thrive, I show up for them with more as opposed to trying to give to them from you know an empty bucket. And I also want the people that I love to know that I want them to take care of themselves too. Yeah, exactly. It, and I, I, I really like that perspective as well, because we have to, a lot of times I think that uh, sometimes I find that it, it's women in particular, maybe it's just because I hang out with more women. So if there's any guys listening, this is not like a judgment on guys, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I often find that women will want their usually male partner to you know, work out more, take better care of themselves, eat better, all these things. But then sometimes I'm like, okay, but are you doing that for yourself too? Because we have to hold up the mirror to ourselves before we can ever judge anyone else. And if, if you want someone else close to you to embody those types of traits, we can't, we can't ultimately change people. But the very first thing that, that you need to do, if you want someone else to do that behavior, you better be doing it too then. You can't expect someone else to do that if you aren't even doing it yourself. Absolutely. You know, growing up, I can look back now and see how flawed my thinking was, but I mean, I literally dated every loser out there. And I was convinced that I was going to love them enough that they would see how amazing they were and step into their potential. But the truth was, I was giving them what I was unwilling to give myself. Like, I was the one that needed to be loved and cared for by myself. I needed to embrace my own potential. So I was literally looking for my worthiness in my ability to save someone else instead of pointing the finger back around at me and saying, wait a minute, I'm giving them what I need. 
Why do I not feel like I'm good enough? And that's the thing about these behaviors. They show up in our lives because they're covering up things that we're feeling about ourselves that we struggle to feel, right? Like who wants to wake up in the morning and actually admit to themselves that they have low low self-worth, low self-esteem, and they don't feel good enough? But the truth is like, that's how I felt every single day. So every behavior I picked up was to cover that up. Yeah. So when I took responsibility for that, that's when my life started to change. That's think, the work. I think the responsibility factor is so crucial because it's, it's the one part that we overlook a lot of the time and it's very easy to blame other people, especially anyone who has hurt us or um, you know, done harm to us, wronged us in some way. It's so easy to, to blame that person for everything that's wrong in your life <laughs> and right. not go inward and realize, hey, I've got some shit to unpack myself that I brought into this that's right. and it has just continued to, to grow and, and fester underneath everything else that's been going on. It sucks. Like it really sucks. It's when not you have fun. To recognize that, right? Like it, it sucks. It does. You know, like you know my story with my husband. You know he's been in recovery for you know seven years now. But when he went off to rehab, it would have been so easy to blame him for my life falling apart. And I was angry. Oh, I was angry. And. I also had an opportunity to show up and say, okay, what is here for me and how can I grow through this? I mean, it first started from this, like, I'm going to show you and, you know, a very like, let's do this attitude. Um, but it very quickly turned into what's, what's available here for me. And I really believe, I really believe that, that when we fully take responsibility for the things that have showed up in our lives, even like the sucky things, that's when we really can see the opportunity. So we still get to be human. We still get to be hurt. We still have to process the anger and the frustration and all those things. And there's a lot of grace in saying, okay, what lessons are here? And if this was meant to unfold this way, what can I learn? How can I grow? How can I know myself better? so that I can create a new reality for me moving forward. What do I really want? What am I no longer willing to tolerate in myself and in others, right? What boundaries do I need to set? How can I trust myself more? How can I deeply love myself more? How can I partner with myself um, so that when I'm partnering with someone else, I know that I have my back. I don't need to be guarded. I don't need to be afraid of losing myself because I've got a solid relationship with myself. I know myself first, which allows me to know others better. Yeah. And, and that, man, you've touched on so many great things there. I mean, even just the self-trust factor, I think that this is part of the problem too, is that when, when we continue to put ourselves last over and over and over again, and then life punches us in the face with one situation or another, we're left holding the bag going, well, what's my next step? Because everything has fallen apart and, and I don't even know, like, how do I trust myself to move forward? Like, how do I trust myself to grow into this and to figure out and pull the lessons from this experience? Right. So self-trust really is at the core of like worthiness, 
Mm -hmm. right? That ability to really trust ourselves. And so many of us aren't in a trusting relationship with ourselves. We override our intuition. We say we're going to do things and then we don't do them. And if we were in a relationship where we said we were going to do something and then we didn't follow through over and over and over again, we'd be single or we wouldn't have any friends, right? Because who would stick around in a relationship like that? But we do that to ourselves over and over again. So, you know, coming back to this notion of self-care, it's are you willing to stay integrity with yourself to really cultivate a deep sense of self-trust, to know that you have your back, to know that you really can't make any mistakes. And if you make a wrong turn, you don't abandon yourself and beat yourself up and really work on how can I trust myself more? Yeah. Yeah. That trust piece is really, really crucial. And I want to circle back to, to the judgment part because before you and I jumped on, we were talking about how you completely tore down your, your words were that you tore down your business last year. And I would love to hear more about that because I know that I have been in the position before and, and I can't speak for you if, if this is the same or not, but I have, I've personally been in the position when building my business that I'll, I, I will hold myself back from making certain moves because someone else told me that it was the wrong thing to do. And that comes back to that trust factor too, because then I'm overriding my own tuition. Like I thought this was a good idea, but somebody said no and somebody else might judge me for it. So I better not take that route. <laughs> so I'd love to hear kind of how you came to some of the conclusions that you did and, and how you went about completely shifting uh, your entire business model. Yeah, it was a wild ride. Uh, a lot, lots of lessons learned, right? So even for all the work I've done on myself, there's always, there's always more work to do. And, you know, so I had rebranded in, we're in 2019, I'd rebranded in 2017, went into 2018 and completely lost my way. Um, didn't get my own messaging, which is crazy because I helped write the copy and I was like, this is awesome. And then, you know, three months later, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, right. Because I literally stopped trusting my message. I'm like, people aren't going to get this. People aren't going to understand. My book had come out, which I'm really proud of. But when my book came out, it also kind of took me off course. And I was in online communities and it was like, you need the funnel and the book and you got to sell them into a course and this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, hold on a second here. Like, I just wanted to write the book and put a pin in that side of my work, right? Like my book was like almost two decades worth of work that I really wanted to tie a bow around and say, okay, you know, for those of you who can't buy my course or can't afford my course or don't want to invest in my course, here's a book, $17.99, like go learn, go do the thing that you need to transform your life. And I hate launching. I don't like webinars. I don't love master classes. I don't love a complicated business. I don't want a huge team. Yet, because I was in these communities, and one of the things that I've really had to tear down about myself was this, this part of me that was still seeking approval, right? Like I want a big launch to belong and I want, you know, I want the coach to like give me a high five and acknowledge me. And 
so I was doing things in my business not to make me happy, but because I was trying to seek that approval. I was looking for someone to else to say, Lisa, you're good enough. You're doing an awesome job. Instead of recognizing like, wait a minute, this is, that's my responsibility and I, and I get to choose. And I was making it mean something that I couldn't do it their way or, you know, and then I had a story about how I should be doing it with air quotes. So towards the end of 2018, I just got really clear on the fact that I love my courses. They're still available to my one-to-one clients. They're not available to the public anymore. I got really clear on the fact that the only way I wanted to work with people was one-to-one. And I was tired of people telling me that I couldn't scale that because you know what? I don't need a million dollars to be happy. And I'm all for making all the money and being profitable and successful. I'm not saying that that's not there for me, but I really looked at what do I need in my life right now to serve how I want to feel, to be present for my family, to feel good in my business, to fall in love with my work even more? How can I serve at my highest capacity? And it wasn't doing launches and it wasn't doing group programs. So I really kind of thumbed my noses at people who said, well, you can't scale doing one-to-one. I, I get paid very well for what I do. And I am unapologetic about that because I create massive transformation in people. I don't need a gazillion clients. I'm not burning myself out. So I started to just make different choices in my business. I started to let go of a lot of things. Um, You know, I let go of almost 5,000 people off of my email list because I stopped caring about the size of my email list. And I started caring more about who was actually listening and paying attention to what I had to say. So the way I talk about it is, you know, if you're in a room with 6,000 people and 5,000 of those people are facing away from you and talking to each other, the thousand people that are still in the room, they can't hear you. You can barely see them. So if you clear out the 5,000 people, and all of a sudden you're standing in a room of a thousand people, that's a lot of people paying attention. It's a lot of people that have raised their hands and said, I care what you say. And all of a sudden it felt like I had a bigger voice and was making a bigger impact. So releasing all these people that at one point in time really resonated with my message, but weren't anymore, it freed them to go find their next coach because there's somebody else out there who's going to be able to help them with where they are right now. And it freed me to step into the work I really wanted to be doing. So between purging my list, letting go of things I was no longer available for, leaving communities, not you know renewing with certain people, tightening up my personal like inner circle, getting really, really discerning about who I was going to share my energy with. Because again, self-care, if we're in a bunch of communities that aren't serving us, we're leaking our energy. I don't have extra energy to leak out because that's for me and my family. Uh, It really transformed everything. And I just said like, how simple, how simple and easy and fun can I make my business? that's when I decided to launch my podcast because it's super easy. I get to talk about whatever I want, whenever I want, as often as I want. If somebody doesn't like it, they can unsubscribe. They don't have to listen. If somebody's judging me, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me because the one person that does hear it and resonates with it, if it helps 
change their life or their perspective, it was worth it. And as for, you know, where my clients come from, I don't really know. Like, you know, I know that sounds a little woo woo. They fall out of the sky, but you know, building your business is more about the energy you put out when you show up and serve from an open heart. And this doesn't mean throwing yourself under your, under the bus and giving everything away for free and exhausting yourself, but find a way you can show up and serve the universe just kind of brings everything back around to you. But it took me a while to kind of clear my own crap last year, right? That next layer of how do I step, step into that next level? It took me becoming the person that could be at that next level. And that meant letting go of beliefs that were keeping me where I was. So, you know, anybody who tells you, that growing a business is like fast and easy and you can come online and make millions of dollars. It's just not true. It might be true for some, but for most businesses, for legit businesses, growth takes time. It takes bravery. It takes courage. It takes tenacity. Um, it takes resiliency. Oh my gosh, you need to be so resilient. And there are so many aspects of running a business that we need to grow into from our money mindset, right? That's one piece, how we think and feel about money, but actually then also how we manage our money. That's a huge part of it. Um, you know, knowing how to reflect on growth, getting some strategy behind you, but then also having the courage to follow your intuition and saying, screw the strategy. This is what I need to do. And finding ways to make everything work better for you. And I, that's the stuff that I just find we're not talking about enough as we grow our businesses. So I'll get off, I'll get off my soapbox now about that. That was a damn good soapbox. <laughs> there were so many things that you brought up there. I mean, one, one thing that I, that I want to, to pull from that to point out to people is that for anyone who's starting a business, it's interesting to me that everyone for years has been talking about online courses, online courses, online courses. Like that's where you make the money. That's how you scale. That's how you do all the things. And it's true. You know what? Online courses are a great way to scale. It's fantastic. But the pendulum is starting to swing back because people are getting tired of buying online courses a little bit. Right. Depends on the course, not, not for everyone, but the, there is a bit of a market trend that I'm seeing that people are starting to lean back more towards one-on-one -on -one because people want that, that personal touch too. They, they want to be able to actually connect with a real human being and not necessarily be, you know, sitting in their bedroom on their laptop, um, DIYing a course at, you know, all hours of, of the night sometimes we want that true human connection because then that can also be the real key to significant transformation far more than any DIY course could offer. And I'm not bashing courses because courses can, I've taken some incredible online courses and there are some amazing ones out there, but it's not for everyone. And, and you have to listen to what you want to be offering people, how you want to connect with people. I think it's so powerful that you recognize that Lisa and that you sort of went against the grain because there aren't there aren't enough entrepreneurs I feel like doing that a lot of us are still just getting sucked into the the marketing of entrepreneurship and um 
I mean, I mean the marketing that's coming at us as entrepreneurs, like that this is the only way to do things. And if you don't do it this way, that you're going to fail. And it's just right. not true. Yeah. I think, you know, there we're sold that you can make a lot of money if you sell a course, but the truth is, well, you can, that's, that is absolutely the truth. And it's going to cost you money too, mm -hmm. right? To scale a business, to put together a course, to launch it, to get it out in front of people. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. There's expenses that go along with that. And there's expenses and time that go into one-to-one -one coaching too. But you have to really look at what, what parts of this do I love? Like I would rather connect with people and grow one-to-one -one business than trying to organize a team and launch a group program. That just doesn't bring me any joy right now. And maybe down the road, we'll do it again. I'll do it very differently. Um, I also think with a lot of online courses, people aren't getting the results that they want in online courses. I think a lot of people go into courses and then they hide and they don't really do the work. And just because you invest in something doesn't mean you're going to see results. So with a one-to-one -one coach, you can't hide. I know for me personally, I like the relationship of a one-to-one -one coach and I want to invest in that because I want, I want that high touch point for me. That's yeah. just for me personally. Um, I've also met a lot of people that have, you know, they're going broke trying to get rich. And I just was, I didn't want any part of that anymore. I've invested thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in my business really to just come home to the place of, you know what? I don't need anything. Like I have everything that I need now to grow. And now I had to learn part of me growing up as a CEO is learning that level of discernment around what is the one thing that I need here to learn? And then only focusing on that one thing not all the things. And I think a lot of us think, well, if I drink from the fire hose, if I learn about all the stuff, then I'll get there faster. And it's just not true in my opinion. Yeah. And there's a lot of power to that because I, for, for a while there, I felt like every, I had so much FOMO because it was like every, every major coach was coming out with every major product I wanted and like online course and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, I need all the things. And now I've set myself a pretty hard rule of you are, you are not allowed to buy, you meaning me, I'm not allowed to buy a, another online course until I complete the one that I already have. <laughs> and when I complete it and I have actually implemented what I have learned from that, then I can purchase another one as opposed to just piling them on. And that's when people don't get the results. And then there's frustration and, and then you're left still searching externally for something else to, to fix the problem. But I, I, it, I really like how you put that about that you have everything you need. If you look inside, your intuition is going to tell you what you need to know. And then, yeah, sure, like go out and get the online courses that can help you hone your skills. That's important. But an online course isn't going to tell you what you need to be doing with your life overall. Like that, that isn't what an online course is there for. No. And I, I really believe in the growth of our business. Strategy is one piece, like knowing how to do the things. But the biggest thing that holds people back creating success in their business is them not doing the work on themselves because you are your roadblock. It's not that you don't know how to do the webinar. It's not that you don't know how to write an email. It's not that your copy skills or your scale skills aren't the best. It's you haven't done the work on yourself. 
and if if more people started with working on themselves personally and recognizing that they are the number one they are they are the number one factor in the growth and success of their business i think we'd have more successful entrepreneurs yeah i'd have to agree i'd have to agree i know that that you coached with um with james wedmore for quite a while too he's also one of my coaches and he he always talks about um that entrepreneurship is is the what does he say? The, the playground for personal development, I guess, <laughs> something along those Pretty lines. Much. Yeah. And it's true. It's true. It's such a, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, actually. Um, and, and the woman was talking about how entrepreneurship and she was comparing entrepreneurship to dating in the sense that both of them are basically a spiritual experience because you learn more about yourself in those two aspects of life than anything else that she's ever experienced. And I thought that was so true. Like we learn so much from our relationships, like our romantic relationships. And, and for me, and, and Lisa, I know that you uh, likely feel the same way from entrepreneurship. Those are like the two biggest like things that force me to grow and step into bigger versions of myself. Like hundred <laughs> percent. Like so many of us are in codependent relationships with our business. Yes. Right? Like our business gets everything. It gets all our money. It gets all our time. It gets all our energy because, you know, when I'm successful, then I'll take care of myself. Yeah. The not if the, then. Not the truth, right? The if yes. then. Yeah. So <laughs> this is what I mean. You have to constantly be taking a step back and looking at your business and saying, what is working and what isn't working? What is working for me? Like where, where am I not showing up for myself? Where am I getting in the weeds? Do I really need a sales course or do I actually really need to look at how I relate to money and how I think and feel about sales? Because you could take all the sales courses in the world, but if you don't shift your beliefs around sales and around what it means to receive money, like I honestly think a lot of people want to sell group courses because they can price it at a price that makes them feel comfortable. And stepping into one-to-one -one work and commanding the price that they actually want to put on their services, they can't get there. I'm not worth that. I couldn't charge that. So I'll just do a course because then I can price it at $2.99 and I'll just sell it to all the people. So they've stepped over and they're trying to avoid the bigger thing, which is their relationship with money. Well, why couldn't you work one-to-one -one and charge one person what it's going to take, you know, you getting 30 people in this course. That's so good. That is so good. I, I mean, what you've been doing this for a while. What do you feel like the biggest lesson is that you've learned from entrepreneurship that entrepreneurship has taught you? Oh my gosh. What an amazing question. There have been so many things that I have learned. Uh, one is to not take it so seriously because I know this is going to sound funny, but you know, we're all going to die one day and none of this is going to matter. Right. So I had to stop taking it so seriously and go back to enjoying it. Like I had to stop trying so hard. I think the other, the biggest, biggest lesson though that I've learned from entrepreneurship is just how messed up my relationship with money was. So although I'd been coaching women around food and their bodies for years, realizing that my relationship with money and debt in particular 
was like a mirror to that and realizing how much that was impacting my business growth, how much that was impacting my success. Because like I said, if you don't have a good relationship with money, you're not going to receive it. You're always going to be pushing it away. Um, or you're always going to be working from this place of not enough or debt or not believing in it or all these kind of things. So really cleaning up my financial house. So not just my money mindset, we'll call it that, but also the actual like take your take your hands off of your eyes, Lisa, and start looking at your bank accounts, start organizing your finances, hire someone to help you deal with your shame around money and the stories that you're caring about it and grow up. Like if you want a grown up business, then grow up and take responsibility for the relationship that you want to have with your money and how this is going to work. Um, because we can't create wealth for ourselves if we're not willing to create the container for that wealth to come in. That's a really great perspective. And I think that that's the, the money part is something that, Oh, money mindset is something I continuously have to work on. I think that that's probably somewhat common um, mm -hmm. because it's kind of like whenever it, it's, it's like any type of personal growth. When you get to one level, there's an unlimited number of levels above that. Like you think that you've mastered something and that you, you've mastered the skill and then something new comes up to deal with. And I think that uh, like even just like you were saying, getting comfortable just looking at your numbers there are way too many of us. And I have gone through phases of this where I didn't want to look at the numbers because it scared the shit out of me. I'm like, right. like it, it's kind of like holding up the mirror to something that you are deeply, deeply afraid of. And sometimes it might not actually be quite as bad as we think it is. Other times it might be worse. And if we continue to avoid that mirror, then it's just going to end up festering and be an even bigger problem for us. So that's really the first step is just something as simple as looking at your numbers right. and getting organized. Well, and what specifically were you afraid of that your money was going to jump out and bite you? Oh, for sure. Exactly. It, it was, it was like this, this huge fear that things were going to be worse than I expected. And, and you know, how, how am I going to pay for all of these things? Yet I also knew on the other hand, I've always paid off all of my debt like right. any debt, you know, student, student loan, uh, buying a car, like all of those things, I've always paid all of my debt. And usually it's basically always on time. Like I find a way. So then why was there so much fear around just looking at the numbers, right? It, it's this bizarre game that we play with ourselves. And, and rather than just pushing through it, we just sometimes, at least I was, I was continuing to just avoid it for a period of right. time. And it wasn't working very well. <laughs> you see how that avoidance really led you back to the bigger story, which was you weren't trusting yourself. Yes. Yet you yes. had evidence you could trust yourself, right? So we make this story up around what money means. And oh my God, like even the story around what if I can't pay? Well, what if you can't pay? What is the worst thing that's going to happen? Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I had my bricks and mortar studio and I had a, I had a big lease and I was terrified one month I wasn't going to make my lease payment. And I remember one of my colleagues said to me, she's like, Lisa, what is the worst thing that's going to happen if you don't make your lease payment? I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, probably nothing. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll be late. And you know, my landlord might be pissed off at me, but you know, I'll pay it. Like I'm not going to not pay it because integrity is one of my values. And she's like, so you're stressing over something that really nothing bad is going to happen. 
you might just feel uncomfortable. She's like, so what's worse? The like drama and suffering that you're causing yourself worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet or the discomfort of dealing with it when and if it were to happen. And in the end, it didn't happen. So I caused myself a lot of anxiety for something that never happened. So I always just kind of remind myself, like, just look, Lisa, like, just trust you're going to be fine. Like, whatever happens, you're going to be fine. You'll deal with it in the moment because that's how life is. That's what trusting yourself is about. You don't need to freak out about the future. You just need to know that whatever comes up, you're going to be okay because you have your own back. Well, and sometimes too, I think that we, that we almost revel in the drama that we create for ourselves. Like sometimes that almost feels better and, and worrying about things, you know, like twice basically, because if you're worrying about it before it happens, and then if it actually does happen, then you have to worry about it again. We, sometimes we, we want that. We almost want to hide behind that rather than just to trust ourselves. It's actually easier sometimes to feel like, like we can just hide behind the drama and the worry and the anxiety and the stress. And, you know, maybe, maybe you can then complain about that. Um, maybe you can use that as an excuse for avoiding other things in your life. But if you remove that, then what are you left with? Right. You're left with actually dealing with it. I think that so many of us are addicted to our suffering and our worry. We say we don't want it, but the truth is it's way more uncomfortable for us to not worry Mm -hmm. and to allow ourselves to thrive. So we do what's comfortable. We do what's comfortable. And for, like I said, most of us suffering and being in our drama is comfortable for us because when you stop that, it's like you can almost feel yourself wanting to, ooh, but I want that story. I want that story. This is where the work is, right? Because letting go of constantly being in this state of worry, panic, drama, you have to constantly interrupt that pattern and say, no, I'm not available for this anymore. I'm not going to worry about this. I'll deal with it if it happens. And even and, when it, it happens, you don't have to worry about it. You just have to deal with it. And, and how do you do that? Because you were actually mentioning that before, again, before we got on, on the call too, about how you've learned to interrupt those thought patterns. So what actually goes through your head when you start to go through that process? Well, one, I'm very aware of my thoughts. That's, that's the number one thing. So I've slowed my life down and I'm quiet enough that I can actually hear what I'm saying to myself. And for many, many years, you know, I hid behind that, oh, I've got a busy brain. It's just, I didn't want to get quiet and hear what I was actually saying to myself. So I am aware of my thoughts now. And since I am the person who creates my thoughts, there isn't some little man up in my head saying, hey, I want you to think this. I am the thinker of my thoughts. I get to create them. I can also change them. Like we have a tremendous amount of power. So how I interrupt myself is I use my name. So it's the same thing that parents do with kids, right? If your kid is misbehaving, you're, you know, I'll, I'll say my kid's full name, Colton David, stop doing that. I mean, he's 19 now, so <laughs> I rarely use that anymore. But, you know, when, when you're a parent and you say that to your kids, or if you remember being a kid, when your parent uses your full name, you stop because you know they're serious. So I do that with myself. I'll say, Lisa are you really going to entertain this thought? Or I'll simply say, Lisa, I'm not available for this line of thinking anymore. 
right? That's a big one for me. I'm no longer available for XYZ. So if it's an old, you know, I went away on a retreat and I came home and within 24 hours I was in my shit about, oh, that coach was so amazing and she was so awesome. And oh, what, what, who do you think you are sitting at the table with all these amazing women? And I sat on the edge of my bed and I was like, Lisa, we are no longer going to entertain this. Like I'm done with this story. You're good enough. You get to sit at the table. Stop. And like, that's the end of it. So choose the stories that serve you and the stories that don't. Make the decision to let it go by constantly being present to those thoughts and dismissing them. That's the work. This is so powerful. You, I, I feel like I feel like you're like trained in, in speaking in sound bites because I, I could pull so many quotes from this episode from you. You've given us so much amazing information. This has been awesome. I, I want to make sure that everyone can find your podcast to hear more of these amazing sound bites um, and everywhere else to find you. So let us know where, where, we can, uh, where we can connect with you. On social, I have fallen out of love with Facebook. Sorry, Facebook. <laughs> um, I now hang out on Instagram because I'm very intentional about my social media. And Instagram allows me to go in, post my stories, and I get to follow people that I want to follow. That's why I love Instagram, right? It's very intentional. Like, who do I want to listen to today? So I'm over on Instagram at Lisa Carpenter, Inc. I usually post stories Monday to Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Hey, I unplug. And I really suggest that you do as well because that's when you get quiet. That's when you can like be in your life. Uh, the other place to follow me is on my podcast. So it only launched, gosh, two or three weeks ago now. I don't know when this is going live, um, but it is called the Full Frontal Living Podcast. And Full Frontal Living is the methodology that I coach under, which means we look at your connection with yourself, your connection with others, your physical well-being. So what's your relationship with food and your body? What's your relationship with rest and play? right? Are you getting, are you getting enough rest? Cause most of us aren't getting enough rest. Um, and are you dealing with the emotional behaviors or the behaviors that are coming up to mask the emotions that you're trying to avoid? So I'm all about not letting my clients numb out and just letting them stay stuck in this like high performance, high achieving. We need to look at what's driving that, the energy behind it. So the Full Frontal Living podcast is really just where I share a lot of honest and real conversations, experiences in my own life in the hopes that my listeners will be able to shift some of their own perspectives, see themselves in my stories and show up differently in their own lives. So that's a super fun platform for me. So that's probably, those are the two best places to find me. And then, you know, you can always go to my website to learn more too. That's lisacarpenter.ca. I love it. I'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes and definitely make sure to go check out uh, Full Frontal Living Podcast because you just, even, even your Instagram stories, you always offer so many incredible insights and like little tidbits that are just, they can change the course of my day. And I, I know that, that um, I've introduced other friends to you who who feel the same way about all of your stuff as well. So I really encourage everyone to, uh, to make sure to go and check Lisa out. And Lisa, I just have one more question for you. If you could offer people one piece of advice into growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? 
That is a great question. <laughs> get quiet. Oh, that is some solid advice. Get quiet. And if you can't get quiet, if you're like, oh my God, Lisa, I can't even sit still for five minutes. My brain is racing. Uh, that's even more of an indication that you need to get quiet. Spend five minutes and just pay attention to all the thoughts running through your head and how you can slow it down and how you can dismiss them. So, you know, that can look like going for a walk, can look like sitting with a book, but just get quiet and start to get to know yourself better because we are not here to be human doings. We are here to be human beings. And you really need to have that best relationship with yourself if you want to grow a successful, profitable business that has lasting power, longevity. What an incredible way to wrap up. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, entrepreneurs are usually the first ones to burn out. And especially if you're a health coach or something like that, and you're, you're busting ass to, um, to make your business grow, you might not be listening to your own advice. And then again, like we aren't setting a good example for the people that we're trying to help if you are in the, the health industry or health wellness uh, type industry, especially. So that's very powerful advice for anyone listening to get quiet. And Lisa, I so appreciate you taking time. And I always love chatting with you. This was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me on. I just, I love the work that you're doing in the world. I love how you show up so openly and honestly with your audience. Um, I'm just, I'm grateful to know you. I'm really grateful that we've gotten an opportunity to get to know each other. So thank Oh my you. gosh, me too. I need to send Chloe a thank you card <laughs> for introducing us. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.